Thanks for joining us today on the Beach Church Podcast. As a church, we exist to reach, raise up, and release followers of Jesus who change the world. Thank you for partnering with us in that mission. Good morning and welcome to everyone. I feel I kind of feel like I need to introduce myself. My name is Jerry. I serve here as one of your pastors, and it's been six weeks since I've preached a message. And uh, I was thinking back, I don't think I've ever had a time in 40 plus years of ministry where I was out of preaching for that long. So I hope I know how to do it still. And uh, I hope I don't preach two hours. Just kidding. I won't preach two hours. But um, it's so good to be back. And um, I'm so appreciative for Pastor Kerry, who carried the lion's share of preaching responsibility during that time, and uh, for Pastor Emmanuel as well. And I wanted you to know, because I've been hearing things, some people said, is Jerry okay? Uh, is he sick? Uh, does he still work here? You know, his son's at another job. Maybe he's at another job now too. So I've heard everything, but uh, really what happened was we were planning uh, to do a sabbatical, which is just a church word for take a break, for some restoration and rest and uh, decided to not take it at this time, but we had already planned the preaching schedule, and so we just let it roll. And one of the things I love about Beach Church is that our preaching and teaching of God's Word is not based around a personality. It's based around the authority of God's Word and Jesus Christ. He's the only one that needs to be known ultimately, right? So, and I'm so appreciative that we have a team of people that share God's word as well, because it's great to hear from different voices uh, as you're learning about God's truth. So anyway, good to be back and glad to be with you today. And so uh, we're in the five pursuits, and uh, here's why we do the five pursuits. We believe that the best version of our God-given lives is is when we, with God's help, are becoming more like Jesus. Not a better version of ourselves, but a better version of who we are in Christ. And so at Beach, we talk about the five pursuits. These are five different ways in which um, we come alongside the heart of God. And as we uh, get involved in these pursuits, they're not programs. They're not kind of one and done events in our lives like, oh, I got that one checked off. Now we're done with that one. These are lifelong postures of our hearts that we continue to pursue the heart of the one who pursued us in love and in grace. And so week one, we talked about taking our first step. Pursuit number one is taking a first step. And what that means is I've taken the first step to place my trust in a relationship with Jesus. And I want to spend the rest of my life helping others take their first step towards Jesus because we believe it's in a relationship with him that we find life and meaning and purpose and significance. So why would we not want to spend the rest of our lives after we come to know Jesus helping others to know Jesus as well? And then week two, we talked about worship. And worship is simply our response to the generosity of God for who he is and for what he's done in our lives. And sometimes that takes place you know, on a day-to-day basis, you know, alone. And other times it takes place corporately, like here in a worship time. And uh, sometimes it looks like singing. 
Sometimes it looks like praying. Sometimes it looks like going to do your job in a God-glorifying way. Sometimes it looks like going to school and being the best version of a student is if Jesus were at your school. It means going into your family and your marriage and your parenting, glorifying God in the way that you live out those relationships. That's worship every day. Today what we want to talk about is community, that there's a power in relationships with a few people in our lives that help us grow stronger in our faith. And so I want to pray for us, and then we will get started. God, thank you so much that you want a relationship with us, that you moved heaven and earth that we might have a relationship with you, and not only a relationship, but that by the power of your Spirit, we could grow progressively to become more and more like Jesus every day because this world does not need a better version of us. This world needs Jesus. And by the power of your spirit, may every day we grow to become more like him so that others might see him and come to know him as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so community. When I was growing up, I was not like... strong church goer. My family didn't go to church that much. Uh, some years it was Christmas Eve and Easter. Other years we would get a little bit more track record. We'd go uh, a few times maybe over the course of the year. Uh, I was just telling someone who was talking about they always seemed to get to church late and I said that was my family. Whenever we came to church, not only did we not go to church often, when we did come, the only seats that were available, the front seats. And, of course, you had to walk all the way down in front of everybody as if announcing, we are late. Yes, thank you. We'll take a bow now. So, but um, we didn't, we, we weren't involved that much in church, and we didn't have beach kids. Can I express the importance of beach kids? Beach kids, they're over there dancing and singing and hearing God's word in a way that really speaks to their hearts and their lives. And, uh, but when I was going to church, it was just like, sit with your family, be quiet. And honestly, you know, as a little kid looking at the rear ends of people in front of you, most of the service. And we had these things, and I know some of y'all might be new to church or maybe you haven't been in church for a long time. But we had these things called bulletins. And there were these printed things that would tell you about what was coming next. So you could kind of check them off, right? When are we going to be done? When's the pastor going to preach? And you could just kind of check it off, read about some announcements. And as kids, we used to like scratch out words in the bulletin. And we would make up funny sentences by scratching out certain words. It's amazing how creative kids could be when they're bored to tears. Like we would do crisscross, you know, the tic-tac-toe. We would do connect the dots. We would draw pictures, some of the greatest artwork ever, church bulletin. So that's kind of what we did. But, but over the course of years, I can't really look back and say I gained any real traction in terms of my walk of faith. Uh, but when I was a junior in high school, a friend invited me to student ministry. And... Um, Our student ministry was not like beach student ministry. Like, if you go tonight to United, you're going to come across at least probably like 100 teenagers. My group was like 20 kids. That was it. It was like a large, small group. That that was my youth group. But I want to tell you, over the course of those last two years of school, my life changed dramatically. Because that was like 
community to me. Like we would show up, we wouldn't sit in rows, we'd sit in circles. We wouldn't listen to a pastor and then just, we couldn't say anything. We would like sit in circles and we would actually talk to each other about God's word. And we would have questions and we would learn and we would answer and we would, we would laugh and we would cut up and we played games and we had food together. And we would go and we would serve our community together. I remember we used to go to this nursing home in our community for both years I was there every single Monday night. And after we would serve the residents of that nursing home, we'd go out to Pizza Hut and we'd have pizza and we'd all order one pizza and get like two bites because we were cheap and we had no money and we wouldn't hardly leave a tip. But we, we loved doing life together and it was way different from any other relationships I had in my life. And during those two years, I gave my life to Christ. I experienced the call of God into ministry. I grew in my understanding that, that, that life was not about living one way at church and another way in school, but, but it was about glorifying God and living as imperfectly as it looked, living for Jesus every day, that you were one person, not divided personalities based on who you were around. And so I grew in tremendous ways, and so that's why... Community is so important because it helps us to grow stronger in our faith. In fact, we put it this way. Um, oh, before I do that, got to show you a picture. You want to see a picture? Circa 1977. These are a few of the guys in my group. I'm over there on the right. And, of course, uh, you know, look at the shortness of shorts back in those days. Yeah. I don't know if that's coming back. Maybe. But anyway... Um, that was the picture of, that was like all the guys in my group. And then we had about as many girls, and that was it. So the value of community, we put it this way as a church. We seek to pursue community through a circle of believers where we can grow stronger in our walk of faith. Stronger in our walk of faith. So here's my goal today. I want to convince you by the time this is over, of the absolute necessity that you are not called to do your faith journey alone, but together with a few others who will help strengthen you, and you will help strengthen them, and you will be better together in your walk of faith than you would have been if you had simply taken the journey alone. Now, before I try to convince you to be in a life group, because here at Beach, we do life groups. It doesn't mean that community for you is a life group here at Beach. You might already be a part of a group where you're growing in your faith. You might be a part of a neighborhood group where you're growing in your faith. So it doesn't have to be a life group at Beach, but this is what we do to help facilitate people getting into community. We create life groups. So um, before I convince you why to join a life group, let me tell you why not to join a life group. You ready for that? Everybody's getting out their notes like, oh, I'm going to write these down. Just give me a reason to not be in a life group, Pastor. Here are reasons not to join a life group. You don't join a life group to make best friends. You probably already have a best friend, and they may or may not be in your life group. But the goal of life group is not just to make a best friend. There's a whole different kind of nature to which that life group is. Um, and, and like, I don't, I don't do a ton of things with, with the guys in my life group, outside of life group. We do some things together, but I don't have to have my best friends in my life group. So if you're coming into it like, man, I got to meet a best friend, that's probably not going to be the way you're going to meet your best friend. It may or may not. 
But that's not the reason you join a life group. You don't join a life group just to socialize. My hunch is you already have people in your life that you like to go out and do a lot of socializing with. Now, do you socialize in life group? Yes, 100%. Like, I hope you're talking about Saturday's football games. I hope you're talking about school. I hope you're talking about family. I hope you're talking about work. I mean, all those things are a part of our lives. Why would we not talk about them? And that would be weird, right? Just come in. Let's talk about Jesus today. That's it. No, you're human beings, right? You're going to talk about life too. But you don't get into a life group just to socialize. If, you, if that's all you're doing, like watching Monday night football and eating wings, you're probably missing the importance of a life group. Now, number three, reason not to join a life group. It is not a substitute for Sunday morning worship. In the Bible, in Acts chapter 2 that we're getting ready to read, um, it talked about the early church. There were two spaces in which they gathered. One was to worship. It said they gathered in temple courts to gather together for worship and prayer. But they also gathered together in one another's homes to break bread and do life together. So there were two different spaces because there's a uniqueness to what you do when you come together as the people of God to worship together where we worship God and we hear God's teaching and we pray and and there's a collective encouragement we get out of this, but it doesn't meet the same needs. Like when you come together here, you just listen to me talk. No one says, Pastor, wait a minute, I have a question. You don't get to do that here, right? It's kind of like a speech and you just listen. You'd like to say some things, I'm sure at times, but, but that's not the nature of this. And we sit in rows. You don't really get to connect with other people unless maybe it's in the lobby or something or online, but that's not, the, that's not kind of how we're, it, it's set up for. So there are two different, entirely different environments. Another reason not to join a life group, to get into a good Bible school, a good Bible study. Now, are we going to spend time in God's Word? You're going to hear that. But you can find better places to get an intense Bible study, okay? You can go online and take advantage of nearly 2,000 years of scholarship from people way smarter than anyone here at this church to teach you the Bible right at your fingertips. And I hope you do that. Or you can take Bible track here at our church, which is a great way of walking through the entire Bible. So you can do all of that. But the purpose of coming together in a life group is not just to study intently every single word of the scriptures. But we do spend time in God's word. And we're going to talk a little bit about why. But it's not, you can find better places in order to get a good Bible study. And I hope you do that. But that's not the full purpose of the life group. And then finally, a reason not to join the life group. Do not join a group of people who have the whole faith thing figured out. Don't, don't join a life group just to join a group of people who have it all figured out. That will never happen. You will never circle up with a group of perfect human beings who have got it all figured out. In fact, that's why we take the journey together is that we help one another as we go through the journey of faith. So with all that said, let's talk about why you should pursue community for your faith. Um, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, if you have your Bibles. Um, the context for this passage is that Jesus has been crucified. He has been raised from the dead. Jesus told his disciples before he left, I want you to go into the world and make disciples. 
But he says, first, wait. Wait in Jerusalem for the power from on high. So that's what they did. There was roughly about 120 of them that were waiting to, to hear from God. And on the day of Pentecost, which is like a Jewish festival, on that day when Jews had gathered from all over the world, there was a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, in a very supernatural way, the church was born. And the very first thing that happened in the church was Peter. Can you imagine, of all people, Peter, the guy who stuck his, mouth, his foot in his mouth all the time. He's the one that God called upon to preach the very first sermon. And Peter gets up and he preaches his sermon. Here's how the sermon went. Here's how it started. Here was his intro. You killed Jesus. Imagine if I started out a sermon like that. You killed Jesus. Who is this guy? What's wrong with him? Right? But that's the way he started because it was true. They killed Jesus. And then it said, but he's raised from the dead. He's been resurrected. And then he says, repent and be baptized. Amen. And 3,000 people came to know Jesus. That's a, that's a very humbling thing for me to remember is that every time we preach God's word, not our word, when we preach God's word, he takes care of whose life has changed. And so that's what he did. 3,000 people all of a sudden are in the church. So what do we do with them all? Here's, here's the snapshot of the early church. Here's what it looked like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. By the way, this is not like a call to communism. This is a call to care for each other, right? That you're involved enough in each other's life that you know where there are needs and you actually help each other and be the church for one another. Um, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, there it is again, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me give you two reasons why you should be pursuing community. Here's one God hardwired us for relationships with one another. This is whether you're a believer or a follower of Jesus or not. God, your creator, has hardwired you for relationships. In Genesis 2.18, here's what um, the scripture says. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. What's interesting about this passage, this is not after the fall. This is not after humanity sinned and turned their backs on God. So in other words, God's been just spewing creation into existence with the word of his mouth. And all these things are being created. And God said, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Of course it would be good. It's a perfect world. But then God sees this and says, oh, not good. It's my creation. Not good. Man should not be alone. From the very beginning, the design of God was for us to be in community. Now, if you look later in the book of Ecclesiastes, um, this is a, a different kind of book. So if you're familiar with it, Solomon was the king over the people of God. And uh, when he was a young man, God said, what do you want? What, I will give you what you want. And out of all the things he could have asked for, he said, give me wisdom. To which God said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to just 
boatloads of wisdom. Now, later on in life, made some pretty poor decisions. But it wasn't like big time wisdom, but he did give him wisdom. He was one of the smartest people that ever lived. He writes this book called Ecclesiastes. And in the book, it's basically an older man who has had everything life could give him. And it wasn't enough. This book is filled with cynicism and skepticism. you got to read your Bible. It's in there. And in that, he says, I have had all the power that a human being could ever have. I have had all of the, the possessions someone could ever have. I've had riches untold. I have had all of the pleasure anyone could have ever wanted that life would afford me. And here's what he keeps saying over and over again. It's meaningless. It is a chasing after the wind. That's a word for someone today. No matter what you pursue in this life, it will never fill your tank like Jesus will. Period. But anyway, he, um, out of all the cynical statements he's saying about life, here in chapter 4 of the book of Ecclesiastes, it's like a little oasis surrounded by cynicism. And look what he says. He says, there is something good in this world. Here it is. Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie together, they will, be, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What he's saying here is that in the midst of a world where there's so many things that will not fill your tank, one of the most important things God has designed us for is relationship. You were never intended to do your life alone, but in community. This happens for us whether we're followers of Jesus or we're not followers of Jesus. This is hardwired into our lives as human beings. There is evidence around us, all around us, that says that in community, you are healthier, you are more mentally strong, more emotionally strong, and more spiritually strong just by being in good, healthy community with other human beings. If you don't believe me, listen to these statistics about relationships. Loneliness is likely to increase the risk of death by 26%. Think about that. If there was something that you could remove from your life that, that gives you a 26% chance a quicker exit from this world, would you not see how in the world can I look and provide some attention to this area? But that, that's what statistically is proven. Here's another one. Living with poor social connections or alone is as bad on your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Some of you are saying, man, I have all my life never smoked because I've seen those commercials with the artificial voice box and I've seen all the black lungs and nastiness of it and, and I've just avoided that one. I'm good on that one, Pastor. But here's what this is saying. That, that poor social connections, living in isolation, is as adverse on your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
Loneliness and social isolation are linked with coronary heart disease, high blood pressure, severe depression, early mortality, and a greater risk of cognitive decline and dementia. Now, does that mean if you have or you're suffering from any of those things, it's because you have poor social relationships? No. It just means alongside of good healthy eating, good exercise, you know, how you use your time wisely and your body, also is being intentional about good relationships and community. And here's the last one. I love this one. One study was done. It said that people experiencing three or more incidents of intense stress within a, a year triples the death rate in isolated middle-aged men, but has virtually no impact on the death rate of middle-aged men who have many close relationships. That's why the early church, they were devoted to community. If you look at the Jewish traditions all through the Old Testament, people were diehard committed to family and to community life because they knew out of community came life. And so it's no wonder that the early church devoted themselves to fellowship, which is just a church word for doing life together and the breaking of bread. Now, some people say, well, pastor, that was all about communion. It was about communion, but in the early churches, what they did, they had a big old buffet and they had a big old dinner together. Then they celebrated communion. So it's both and. But it, it still doesn't take away from the fact, and I know it didn't seem as spiritual, but here's the truth. Spending time around a, a big table with good food and drink is healthy for your life and for relationships. That's why Jesus, Jesus spent all of his time with about 12 guys and he was known for, as being someone who ate a lot with people and he, he attended parties and festivals with people because it may not seem spiritual, but it is life-giving. It's the way God designed us and wired us. So God has designed us to do best in life when we do life with others. Now, the second point would be a little bit more for a Christ follower than maybe someone who doesn't follow Jesus. But if you don't follow Jesus, I want you to know why Christians think it's important that we hang out together sometimes. This will help you kind of see why that's important. Here's the second reason. God designed us to be in community to help us grow stronger in our faith. To grow stronger in our faith. Let me ask you some questions. How do you learn patience alone? In fact, we give ourselves a whole lot more patience than we give anybody else. But throw other people into the mix, you're going to learn about how to give patience, right? How do you learn how to love or forgive someone who is difficult in your life? Right? Because we always throw love around like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Love like Jesus. Until you get a difficult person in your life. Then it's like, well, what did you exactly mean? Let me look up the Greek for the word love, Jesus. How, how do you practice serving others without others? You see, we learn what it means to become more like Jesus in community together. 
Can I tell you when I really, I want to tell you when I really learned a lot about myself and I started beginning to realize my need to grow in my faith when I got married. Living alone, I was a legend in my own mind. Not so much being married. And the same is true with having kids. You just bring kids into the mix and it gets even more complicated. And you realize how many struggles and challenges that you have that you got to work on and, and you need to invite Jesus into your life and into those relationships. But you don't have to get married or have kids to grow stronger in your faith. But you do need to invite a few others into your life and journey together. So let me close by giving you um, five different important things to have in community. And I'm going to use the acronym SPICE to kind of, because sometimes it helps me to remember a word and, and it helps me to remember what was said. So here's how you spice up your spiritual growth in Jesus through community. First of all, Scripture. Scripture. The Bible says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And you say, well, we don't have the apostles' teaching. Well, we do. We don't have them, but we have what they, what they put together in writing. We have God's Word and, and God's full Word throughout the entire redemptive history of God's people. So why would we not prioritize God's Word when we come together? You see... If we just come together and offer our opinions and our perspectives, what's that? Do you know what my perspective and your perspective is? Limited, biased, broken, and flawed. That's your opinion. And that's mine. But God's word is eternal. God's word can be trusted. God's word will last forever God's word is our anchor from which to live by. And, and it's only when we spend time in God's word do we really know what is the heart of our heavenly father. How do I become more like Jesus? And so anytime we gather in a circle of believers, I hope that we spend time in God's word. Now, here's the thing. You don't, you're probably thinking, well, okay, Pastor, we, I, I realize that. we got to spend time in God's Word. But we don't have a Bible teacher in our group. Or we don't have a pastor in our group. Well, of course you don't. You don't need a pastor or a Bible scholar to help you spend time in God's Word. In fact, once again, Google this passage, Acts chapter 2. You will know far more than I will after just a little bit of time studying what people smarter than me already know about Acts chapter 2. So you don't need a Bible scholar in your life group. What you do need is someone who will help facilitate conversation and not shut down someone just because they have a question, but that you can really talk about it and say, I never knew anyone else thought that. I have that question too, and you can grow and you can learn, but you don't throw out scripture just because you don't have some expert there. In fact, we, we kind of we kind of dumb it down in, our, in my life group that I'm in. We just say, how did, how did God speak to you in that passage? That's pretty simple. What's God's promise to us in that passage? What is he inviting or challenging us to do? What is he saying about himself or about us in that passage? That's simple type stuff where we can grow and learn in God's word together. That's why our discipleship curriculum always has scripture in it. Because we want life groups to be involved 
in spending time in God's word together. Uh, The second thing, prayer, prayer. I hope prayer is always a part of this community or life group that you're a part of. Here's why. If God saved us, if God gives us eternity, if God holds your next breath and your next heartbeat in his control, if God is the only one who can change your heart or the heart of anyone else, why would we not desperately cry out to God day and night for his help? That's what the early church knew. It was them against an entire Roman Empire. The entire world was conspired against them. That's why they prayed. They were devoted to prayer. Imagine that. 24-7 access to the creator of the universe. That's what's afforded to you and me. Why would we not have prayer as a part of our community life together? Third is inspiration. I hope you get inspired in your life group. You know one of the reasons why I go to a gym where they have coaches and they do classes? You know what I did for years in a gym? That was it. That was it. It was a really hard workout. You see, I'm not that much of an inspiration to myself when it comes to working out. That's why I go and I get a coach, someone that's going to coach, someone, other people around me. That I'm going to draft from their energy and their excitement. We have this one guy in our, in our gym named Mark. He's about my age, maybe a few years younger. This past year, he had a heart attack, almost died. And you would have thought, everybody would have given him a pass on go, coming to the gym anymore, right? Just go take a walk around your block, Mark. But no, he shows up every week. Every day he's at that gym. And guess who has the best attitude of anybody else in the class? Mark. He's always telling jokes. He's cutting up. He's he's making working out fun. And so I just draft. I get my car of my life right in behind him. And I just draft on that energy. And I hope that every time you go into your life group, there's some inspiration happening around you. Like, like I, some guys in my group are way better at serving than me. They inspire me. I've seen some of them walk through the most difficult of circumstances that I would have been, I would have been in a corner in a fetal position had I gone what they had gone through. And yet they walked through it with courage and with boldness, not because they're perfect, but because they trusted God in the middle of it. And so I hope that we inspire each other. Just know that when you go, you know, it's not just about you being inspired by others. You're going to be a source of inspiration for the other people in your community as well. Next, comfort and challenge. I chose two C words there. I know it's not the right spelling, but two C words. Comfort and challenge. First of all, you are currently in a life crisis getting ready to go into a life crisis or coming out of a life crisis. That's life on this side of eternity. Who is there for you when the bottom drops out? Who are you there for? Like, if you just kind of pushed aside your family, they have to love you. Let's just push them out of the way. If you push the family out, and that's, who do you have? Who's in your corner? 
Like in my life group, we've gone through all sorts of experiences together. We've gone through medical issues, surgeries, accidents, tragedies, loss of loved ones, loss of job, job transitions. We've gone through family problems, addiction issues within the group and their families. I mean, we've, we've seen it all. And one of the greatest things that you get from community life are people who are going to be there when life gets dark and when there are challenges in your life. Who's in your corner? This can be a lonely world, y'all. We have all sorts of communications, and yet specialists tell us we're the most lonely generation that's ever walked this planet. Who's in your corner? Who's there to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your life, to stand with you, to be a presence of love and care and support? I hope that you have that in your life. You were never intended to go through all the struggles of life alone. We're there for each other, to comfort one another. That's why I loved Claire's video. I can't even imagine, y'all, can't even imagine coming from another country to a country, a brand new country, leaving all my family behind. Now, granted, her husband lived here and he was gonna be here, but like she said, a husband's not enough, right? And she's moving here, she doesn't understand the language, she doesn't have any friends, and this church And several people came around her and loved her and prayed for her even before she showed up here. That's the power of community and comfort that we get. We're promised to never be alone by God, not only because he's there, because God provides other people that can come alongside us to provide comfort. And we can be that for someone else too. I mean, talk about your faith growing exponentially when you're there for someone else in their time of need. The second thing is challenge. Who challenges you in your walk of faith? Can I tell you something? It's easy to come here on Sunday mornings. You look around, you're like, it's not like you know a ton of people that are all around you. They certainly aren't close enough to get in your business. But you invite a few people into a life group where you're talking about the real issues of life and your challenges and your struggles. If you're honest, you're going to get there real quick, hopefully, to not only comfort each other, but also challenge each other. Who loves you enough to challenge you when um, you're drifting in your faith? Who, Who loves you enough to challenge you when you're in a dysfunctional or destructive relationship. Isn't it funny? Everybody else in your life knows you're in a destructive relationship but you. Nine times out of ten. And we hear it and we hear it and everybody's saying it and we're like, no, no, you're just all wrong about this person. But who's challenging you? Who's challenging you if you're drifting towards an addiction? Who loves you and cares for you enough? Not just to speak a word of life to you, but speak a word of challenge to you. We all need that because listen, none of us has it all together. We're all struggling to to make ends meet and try to figure out how to do this Jesus journey. We need each other and you especially need someone who will challenge you. Not just someone who will always listen and comfort But I'm going to tell you, some of my greatest learning opportunities I've learned because someone gave me a kick in the rear end when I needed it. And sometimes we do. So that's a part of 
We do that in a loving, caring way, but we do, we challenge each other as well. And then finally, the last letter, encouragement. Encouragement. I don't care who you are, how much money you make, what kind of car you drive, what kind of job you have. I don't care if you bring a smile on your face into this place every single time and everybody asks you how you're doing. You're like, I'm great. I'm wonderful. I don't care any of that. Here's what I know. Everyone you meet today, everyone you lock eyes with is facing an uphill battle. And here's why. Devil's coming after you. If you're a follower of Jesus, man, you're, you're really trying to make inroads in your faith. The devil's coming after you. The gravitational pull of sin on this side of eternity is still in your heart, even though you're a believer, even though maybe you're, you know, you, you've become new in so many ways, but there's still some junk there, right? There's some strongholds that, that are taking us down. And, and, and in your life, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of other broken people who are struggling to make ends meet too. And you experience the shrapnel of some of the sin and brokenness in their lives. So all of us need one thing that costs absolutely nothing. Encouragement. Speaking courage into someone's life. I don't know where I would be today without men and women in my life who have spoken words of encouragement to me at some of the most difficult times in my life, who have reminded me. It didn't mean that my whole life situation all of a sudden got better, but they, they encouraged me. Take another step, Jerry. Take another step. Take another step. I know it's hard. I know it's painful. Take another step. God loves you. We love you. We're in your corner. We believe in you. Take another step. Who speaks encouragement into your life? And who are you speaking encouragement into their lives? Every single time I go to group, go on Tuesday nights, some weeks I'm excited about going to group. Some weeks I'm not. Some weeks it's like, oh, I just want to stay home tonight. Hard week at work or not feeling as well. Just stay home. But I'm going to tell you, every single time I go to my group, when we finish our group, we only meet for an hour and a half. And when we're done, when I'm, when I'm going home, I feel encouraged. I feel encouraged. Does it mean everything gets solved in that group? No. Does it mean you learn, you have this burning bush moment with the Lord every time in group? No. But I feel encouragement. And what would the world be like if we all were the voices of God speaking encouragement into each other's lives? I hope you find community where you're encouraged because we all need it. And so today as we finish up, figure out where you fit into this because we always talk about application because it's one thing to learn God's word. Do you know the people that learned God's word in, in Jesus' time? The Pharisees. He butted heads with them all the time because they didn't grow very much. They knew a lot, but they didn't grow very much. So here's what Jesus said. You want to really grow in your faith? Not only hear God's word, but put it into practice. So every single week, we offer application. Here's how you can take a step into the truth you've heard from God today, from his word. So here it is. For some of you, I want to challenge you, join a life group. Join a life group. Um, 
And even if you've never done it before, I wanna challenge you, take that step. Join a life group because I promise you, with intentionality to put our lives, uh, invite a few others into that journey, you will never regret that. Join a life group. Um, go to beach, todayatbeach.com. You can get easily signed up. We'll help you do that. Some of you, I want to tell you today, I need for you to start a life group. You're in a group with two or three different people that lead your group and facilitate your group. And right now we have more people wanting to be in groups than we have people facilitating groups. So I want to encourage some of you. You can stay in your group. If you want to do two groups, that's great. Or, or maybe you need to leave your group under the, the leadership of someone else and you need to come and start a new group for men or for women or for couples. But um, I want to encourage some of you to take a bold step today and uh, let Pastor Emmanuel know. Go to todayatbeach.com. Let us know. We'd love to talk with you about starting a new group. Uh, for some of you, you need to get back in your group. I know how that goes. First week, you're sick. Then the next week, you're out of town. Then the next week, you um, just weren't feeling up to it. And then the next week, it's like, I'm so embarrassed. I've missed four weeks in a row. I don't want to have to go back. And everybody's like, oh, where you been? Oh, you know, just, I don't want to do that. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no time like now to get back on track. Just go back. Hey, if they don't offer you some grace, then you probably shouldn't be in that life group anyway. So rejoin your life group. Get back connected. That's why the Bible says don't forsake meeting together. Spur one another on to love and good works. They were speaking to a community who was drifting from getting together. That's exactly where that passage came from. So rejoin your group. Uh, another one, find a different group. Yeah, I'm giving you permission. Some of you are in the wrong group. Maybe it's just a chemistry thing, right? Chemistry is a real thing. Now, it doesn't mean it's everything, but chemistry is a very real thing. For some of you, maybe it's not the right chemistry. Maybe it's not the right feel. Listen, some of you have had a bad experience with a group, and instead of joining a different community, a, a circle of believers, you just threw the whole deal out. I hope you don't do that. It's too important. I even tell people sometimes, go ahead and date a few life groups, right? Date a few. I mean, don't go like for two weeks and then don't give them a chance. I mean, spend a little bit of time there, but it's okay to date a few groups and figure out, oh, this is the one I think I fit best in uh, that, that, that really feels like a place where I can grow in my faith. So some of you need to um, quit your life group, get in a different one. And then finally, some of you need to just give thanks today. If you're in a group, mention them out by name to God. Give God thanks for the encouragement you get, for the comfort you found, for the growth you've experienced in that small-knit community. But give God thanks with a heart of gratitude for the men or the women or the couples in your life that have spoken life into your life and have been there for you in the worst times of life and have challenged you in your walk of faith. Here's the deal. Don't choose to go through life alone. We are better together. And one of the things I love about our church, 
we, not, we might not ever be known as one of the largest, fastest growing churches in the world. We might not ever be known as having the greatest preachers or the greatest facilities or the greatest programs, but I hope we are always known in this community as a church that loves people well, that we love doing relationships and we love doing community together because that is a way in which God uses that community to breathe life and hope and comfort and encouragement into our lives. Not perfect. Will there be some drama at times? Yes. You're dealing with human beings here, y'all. But together, there's something that we get in our journey of faith that we will never get alone. So I encourage you, pursue community. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the community that we have, for the way in which community strengthens our lives and our faith journey with you. You loved us so much that you wanted to be in relationship with us, that you moved heaven and earth to make it happen. God, may we be intentional to pursue community together that we might grow to become more like Jesus. For it's in his name we pray, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's podcast. We'd love to connect with you and hear from you on how this week's podcast impacted you. You can always connect with us through our app, Beach Church Jacks, which is found on the iTunes store or the Google Play store. And you can always go to our website, beachchurchjacks.com. Have a great day.